Hi, welcome to the Cloud Migration Podcast from Capital Innovations. Find us at bpmexit.com. We migrate your legacy workflow to Comunda, rules integration UI, security, everything. It's fixed costs and orders of magnitude faster than doing it any other way. That's bpmexit.com. In this episode, we'd like to explore the top five things you need to know about your Comunda job executor configuration. So what's the first thing we need to know, Max? The first thing you need to understand is that there are several different ways to trigger execution logic in Comunda. You can make a Java API call, subscribe to external events, make RESTful calls, or asynchronously execute work. A Comunda, a job, is executed whenever a timer event is encountered, a task or activity is explicitly marked as either asynchronously before or asynchronously after, and those can be found in checkboxes in the lower bottom part of the general sub-tab when you view the properties of the task in your Comunda BPM modeler. So all that sounds a little bit intimidating. What does it actually mean? Can you break it down for us? <laughs> yeah, it's actually not as complicated as it sounds. Asynchronous before just means that the Comunda engine saves the state of your task to the database before it tries to execute it specifically to the ACATRU jobs table. You're nerding out on me again. So uh, explain the ACTRU jobs table. Yeah, so sorry about that. Basically, asynchronous after is the complement of asynchronous before. All it means is that Comunda says, hey, I'm gonna save this work right here. And the step before I do it, and in the case of asynchronous after, it's the step after it executes. It's like saving a Word doc before you make a major change or saving it after. Depending on what you're doing, one or the other of those is the smart thing to do. Now, there's some nuance here about how the exclusive flag works, but it actually is really pretty nerdy. If you really want to discuss it, send me a note at maxcapbpm.com and we'll dig in. So what's the point? Why do I care about this? It's actually a really fair question, and I've got a pretty good answer. You care because one, you may want to roll back the process in case something goes wrong. And sometimes things don't roll back correctly if you're not careful about how you unwind them. For example, a fund transfer. Two, timers and tasks marked as either asynchronous before or asynchronous after are actually executed by something called the job executor. That means that you can get really, really, really performant if you use them the right way. So you keep saying that job executor in scary quotes. What is that? So yeah, the job executor is the process by which the Comunda engine systematically acquires and executes job. This is driven by the job executor. We actually have a pretty helpful image of this on our website where we post this blog and you can go and check it out from here. So just a quick reminder that we're experts in migrating rules engines to serverless cloud functions for a fixed cost. And you can find out more at bpmexit.com. That includes workflow, business logic, integrations, and UI. So the job executor can and should be optimized for executing tasks that might otherwise block regular flow. This is important, so I'll say it again. The job executor can and should be optimized for the particular application you're supporting. For example, a particularly lengthy call to a restful third party or an invocation of an unreliable system. You don't want to necessarily wait for that. You just want to signal when it's done. 
Or you may know that you've got a zillion tiny jobs that all need to be executed super fast, in which case you can optimize for that. This, incidentally, is also why you want a dedicated environment for each process application. That way you can optimize the heck out of it exactly for that particular application. So Max, uh, I think I'm starting to warm up to the uh, previously scary job executor. <laughs> could, you, uh, could you go ahead and nerd out for me a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's like this. Job acquisition actually puts the acquired jobs from the ACTRU job table into main memory. And the threads in the job execution thread pool execute those jobs. So there are three components to job acquisition, which can all be optimized. Max jobs per acquisition. This is the maximal number of jobs that can be acquired by a single request. For example, imagine that you have a three node come on the cluster and they are all furiously working to get your jobs as best they can. Do you want them to take 100 jobs each and then come back for 100 more, or 10 jobs each? If the jobs are short, then yeah, that's what you want. If they're long, it's going to be a long while before any new jobs are picked up. The visual I have here is of a mama pelican feeding her babies. Does she want to try to get a giant fish to the nest, which can take longer, or does she want to take a lot of little trips with smaller quantities of fish in each trip? It might sound like the big fish approach is better, but what if your babies starve while you're away? The second thing you need to think about is the lock time in milliseconds. This is how long a job is locked. So if you've got three nodes trying to execute, say, 10 jobs at a time, and one node dies in the middle of execution, how long do you wait before you allocate those jobs to another node? This, incidentally, needs to go hand in hand with your max job or acquisition number. And then finally, there's the waiting and backoffs. These are a whole mess of properties that tune job acquisition in corner cases, like when the number of jobs is less than the max job per acquisition. What do you do? Do you just blindly give it to one node while the others sit idle? Do you split them up along the worker threads of the other nodes? And if so, how do you decide how to split them? That's what this stuff is for. But that's the job acquisition. What about the job executor? Now who's the nerd? Sorry, just kidding. I actually love this stuff. The job executor has three key settings that you need to consider. There's the queue size, which is the maximal size of the queue of tasks that are required and waiting to execute. There's the core pool size, which is the minimal number of threads that will be used to execute jobs. And there's the max pool size, which is the maximal number of threads that can be used to execute jobs. Okay, so I think I got it. Well, you kind of got it. <laughs> These actually changed after Commander version 7.12. And with Spring Boot, you can actually use Spring's thread pool task executor to set the limit of the threads. There's actually no more queue size anymore. And all of this depends on if you're clustered or not clustered, because that can change it. But if you really want to dig into it, drop me a line at max .com. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, you clearly do. And I think that's all the time we have for this episode. And thanks for helping us better understand how to build our environments. And thank you listeners for checking out our podcast. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review. Please head over to our site at bpmexit.com and check out more content and articles on business process migration and the latest industry news. If you'd like to connect with us, please reach out at info at catbpm.com. Check us out on Twitter or LinkedIn. And until next time, stay safe and thank you for the support.